We'll kick off Erev Tov, everybody. Uh, lovely to have this opportunity to share some uh, Torah on the Machzor with you. Um, before I begin, just uh, to welcome the, the Melbourne Hebra to join uh, hopefully some of the Sydney Hebra and um, others from uh, a few corners of the globe who sometimes tune in. But um, you know, Rabbi Joseph Shkrach for the initiative and uh, I'm assuming uh, you can send say a few words, otherwise we can just kick off. Just a couple of words is that we've known each other for many, many years, and I was looking for a speaker. I, I could have gone overseas, but A, I've got a world-renowned speaker down the road. Why not go to Sydney? But more importantly, you understand the situation, or you can smell the situation from Sydney that us in Melbourne are going through, and it's something that we want to take home a message for our in-house, um, not catering, but in-house tefillah this year, as we pray Rosh Hashanah, maybe Yom Kippur at home, to hear from you, what your thoughts, your connection, and how you'll relate your the tefillah this year different to other years. And I'll leave it to you, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, a big, big shout to you again for the initiative, and... Um... The truth be told is uh, it's very hard to actually uh, empathize pop properly with people who are in lockdown uh, if we haven't experienced it on the same level. In fact, uh, I'll just tell you a funny little anecdote that last night I was contacted by... I just... Uh, I mute everybody. How do I do that? Everybody needs to mute. Davey, can you hit participants, the, the square it's participants? It was mute, Anthony. And then at the bottom, it should say mute all. Yeah, it's good. At the bottom, it says mute all. Okay, it's talking to the robot. Okay. Is that better? We're all good, yeah? Okay. Gives me great pleasure to mute Tom Lidim. <laughs> Anyway, I was just telling you this uh, anecdote that um, uh, last night I got a call from a, a fellow in Israel who, who ran the radio station of the army, Galei Tzahal. And he was looking to put a program together to, um, to broadcast across uh, Israel, uh, hidden from different communities and the experiences within the world of Corona. And, um, you know, he, he, through a contact, got a hold of me and uh, wanted to interview me or wants to put me, uh, you know, on the radio station, um, you know, to describe what Corona is like. I told him, um, besides the fact that the timing is demands that I speak to him at uh, five o'clock in the morning, but I told him that I, I really have a very boring story to tell him because in Sydney, Baruch Hashem, we more or less, okay, so I sent him your way, actually. <laughs> I sent him to, uh, to, to Melbourne to find out what it really is, uh, what it really, really is like. So anyway, I, I, I do like to empathize with you as much as I can. And so let's try and see if I can share a screen with you. Um, hopefully that'll work. And um, you'll be able to see uh, a photocopy here of part of the Rosh Hashanah Musaf. And uh, I'm going to spend a bit of time uh, discussing the particular structure of the uh, the, the Musaf Brachot in general, um, and then zone, zone, zoom in to a, a piece on Zichronot 
um, for you to take uh, away with you, hopefully from this discussion. So let's, uh, let's begin by stating as follows. We've got a very long Shmona Esrei over Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we, we are taught in the Gemara that the Rosh Hashanah Shmona Esrei differs somewhat to the regular structure of a Shmona Esrei in the sense that there are added brochas um, bringing up uh, the Zichronot Shofarot, Malchot Zichronot and Shofarot brochas as uh, three unique brochas that are inserted into the body of the Shmona Esrei. As you well know, every Shmona Esrei has a three-part structure. The first three brochas are praised to Kosh Baruch Hu. We call that Shevach. The, the middle brochas in the weekday Shmona Esrei are called the Bakashot or petitions, the expressions of what we, what we feel we, uh, we need. Um, and we ask Kosh Baruch Hu for all our, to fulfill all our needs. And then we go on to the last three brochas of the Shmona Esrei, which give thanks to Kosh Baruch Hu, um, you know, for listening to us and an opportunity to dive in. And so this uh, basic structure is well known, I'm sure, to all of us. Shevach, praise, bakasha, petition, and huraya, thanksgiving to Akash Baruch When it comes to uh, Shabbos and Yontif, the, the, the middle section, the bakashot, is replaced with a bracha called Kedushat Ayom, which is a bracha that defines the unique character of the day that we are experiencing at the time and we insert it into our davening. It's the sanctity of the day, the motif of the day. And so a regular Shabbos and Yom Tashmona Esrei replaces all that, that whole middle section that you have during the week called Bakashot with a bracha called Kedushat Tayom, giving us a Shmona Esrei of seven brachas, three in the beginning, you know, the meat in the middle and, and the three at the end. And that's really the basic structure of almost all Shmona Esrays um, that we have, that we daven. When it comes to Rosh Yom Kippur, the middle section, which is Kedushat Hayom normally, is now a, a complex story where we've got these three brochas, Malchuyot, Zichonot, and Shofarot. They added into this middle section, bringing us to a total of nine brochas. And as you may well know from many of the Mephoshim that you might read, the footnotes of your Machzorim, they tell you that Chana, uh, the, the, the Tfilah of Chana, the, the prayer that you offer up in order to, to have a child on Rosh Hashanah, um, when you read it in the Haftorah, you can see that her, her Shira at the end of the Haftorah, her song, her prayer to Akash Baruch Hu, mentions Hashem nine times. Chazal had a tradition that uh, parallel to the nine times that Chana mentions the name of Hashem in her prayer song to HaKosh Baruch Hu, Rosh Hashanah, we uh, Chazal formulated a Shmona Esrei with nine brochas, and uh, the three middle brochas are, are given this title, each one of them separately, Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. Now, when we look to try and get something out of it, when we approach this big Shmona Esrei, it's always been helpful to me anyway to appreciate a general overview and a structure, uh, and to understand from the word go what I'm looking to to, um, to achieve by reading these particular uh, sections of the Machzor. And basically, we all know that there are certain uh, principles of faith, dogmas, if we can use a term, to describe uh, our, our ability to textually represent, to philosophically represent how we relate to Kosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam is the most, has the most famous formulation of uh, 13 principles of faith. The 13 principles of faith uh, 
are essentially a framework with, within which if, if you agree to these 13 principles, you are thinking Jewishly. If you don't agree with any of them, you're already outside the frame. But there were Rishonim at the time who tried to summarize or who tried to um, condense the principles of faith upon which we work with. And uh, a number of these Rishonim interpreted the Machzor as first and foremost, these three brachas in the middle of the Yom Tashmona Esrei, the Rosh Hashanah Shmona Esrei, they are fundamental principles of faith. And the three principles of faith that the Sefer HaIkarim, Rav Yosef Albo, and the, and the Ran relate to, they, 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 are, they are simply this. The three pillars, philosophical pillars, that Yiddishkeit stands on is, number one, the concept of monotheism. We call it Yichud Hashem. Yichud Hashem, the oneness of HaKosh Baruch Hu, the, 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 the uniqueness of HaKosh Baruch Hu. That is represented by Malchuyot, the bracha of Malchuyot, kingship, which is a, uh, you know, a buy into the principle that HaKosh Baruch Hu is Melech, but it's, it's simply that HaKosh Baruch Hu is the only Melech. Number two, after Yichud Hashem, we have what we call Zichronot, which is holding man mankind accountable for all his deeds and if all our deeds are are, are are valued on Rosh Hashanah so we are held accountable and we are rewarded and punished accordingly that concept of reward and punishment is known as reward and punishment and that is the second fundamental faith pillar that exists within our Shmona Esrei so Malchiot Yichud Hashem the belief in one God number two Accountability for our deeds. That is Charvonesh, principle number two. And Shofarot is a little bit more complex to extract the meaning from the actual Machzor itself. But in principle, when you see the theme of Shofarot, which is celebrated most by the Machzor, you'll get an appreciation for this third uh, principle that we have. Why I say get an appreciation is because there are so many themes connected with uh, Shofarot. Even as a, a young kid, before uh, we had the beautiful art scroll machzorim, when we were, when we were davening from the, the Birnbaum machzor, there aren't that many footnotes there. But the one footnote that always stood out to me was uh, the Birnbaum's counting up of Rasadjigaon's 10 themes that exists in the blowing of the shofar. 10 different themes. They, they range from uh, the call to tshuva, the coronation call when you crown a king or queen, uh, the heralding of Mashiach, uh, the Yom Adin, the Day of Judgment. These are all, uh, these are all themes and dimensions of, of when a shofar would be apt. And uh, these 10 kavanot are, are reprinted uh, in, in, in almost all machzorim to give you uh, a bit of depth to the dimensions of what the shofar really means. But when you look at the Nusach of the Shemona Esrei, the, the shofar sound uh, and the theme behind the shofar sound, which is highlighted by the Shmona Esrei, is the shofar at Har Sinai. The shofar that was blown at Har Sinai when Akash Baruch Hu revealed himself to Am Yisrael and gave us Torah. At that, at that moment, that, that unique moment of revelation at, at, at Sinai and the giving of Torah to Klal Yisrael, uh, a concept which travels with us from, the, from that time on called Bechirat Am Yisrael, the chosenness of the Jewish people, as uh, having a unique relationship with HaKosh Baruch Hu, with an even more unique uh, tafkid, mission statement, um, and purpose, 
uh, within the context of the world. This idea of Hashem choosing us, this idea is a very, very powerful idea. And it's all interwoven with Amishal accepting Torah at Sinai and the divine nature of Torah being given to us at Sinai. And so this last fundamental principle of faith within the, the body of the Shemona Yisrael, after we have monotheism followed by reward and punishment, we have Torah Sinai. The Torah given to us on Sinai as Akosh uh, Baruch himself gives us the Torah and thereby it incorporates the theme, extends itself from more than just Torah Minashamayim, it implies the chosenness of, of, of Klal Israel uh, as well. And so if we want a basic overview, uh, just to think about it, you, uh, I actually used to write it in my or just to next to each one of the titles of the three brochures, just to give me a bit of focus. You know, what am I expecting out of this? What do I want uh, the words to sort of uh, uh, focus for me when I, when I say this part of the Shemona Esrei? And this is, a, this is one way of looking at it, where uh, you say, I've got three principles of faith that have to be emphasized. I have to, uh, I have to demonstrate to Hashem that I, I buy into these, these themes uh, by saying the words, by thinking about them and accepting them upon ourselves. Monotheism, reward and punishment, and Torah from Sinai, um, by extension, the chosenness of Klal Israel. Uh, so in general, that is the first uh, step that I, that, that I recommend just thinking about when you, when you get to these particular brochas. Now that we talk about these brochas as uh, principles of faith, I'd like to share with you um, a unique insight from Rav Um I heard it on a, a couple of shirim that he had given. I still have the cassette tapes. Remember what those things are. I still have them um, here at home. And uh, he, had a, he had a fantastic insight in analyzing the nature of the structure of these brochas. Now, each, each one has their own uniqueness to them. Um, and I'll just zoom in on, on uh, an overview that uh, I, learned, I learned by listening to his shir. Uh, you can, you can uh, if you have the Rafsodovetik Yom Rosh Hashanah Machzor, you'll be able to find it in some of the footnotes in different places. You'll find some of this. But uh, if you go online as well, there, there's a Masorah journal that's published by the OU that has uh, descriptions of this Chidush um, in, the, in, the, in the volume. And then there was, a, there was a Rav who I never ever managed to speak to despite attempted points at getting hold of him. But there was a, a Rav who put out some soft cover manuals called Nora Otarav. These were all Shurim Barav Sotovetik, which he uh, laboriously... Um, uh, transcribed. Anyway, it's so hard to get these volumes. I've got, a, I've got a few of them. But anyway, his name is Rabbi David Schreiber, and he's quoted in the Machzor. Either way, if you want to look for the Chidush uh, in the various places, you're welcome uh, to do so. So here's what uh, sort of basic suggested um, as, as being an overall structure that exists um, across all three brachot, be it with certain differences. The fact that these three brochas represent fundamental principles of faith uh, forces us to, not forces us in a bad way, but pushes us to commit to them. And therefore, as we go into the brocha, so for example, we'll take Zichronotia in front of you. You've got the Machzor. We, try and, we ask ourselves, so what do these paragraphs mean and do as we go through them? Now, the words aren't that hard and they're translated well for us, but it's great to have this, uh, this analysis of his because with using the Rov's analysis, you actually, when you write just the theme in the, in the side of the margin, 
you start to get an appreciation much more and the words start to mean so much. So just in terms of the structure, this is what we're gonna we're gonna find. As the brocha opens, whether it's machriot, zikrot, and shoparot, the, the brocha is needs to be seen as as divided into three sections, a, a tripartite a division, if you will. The first, as we open the brocha, expect in the first section a statement of faith. It's like an animamin that we believe in a particular principle. And so here, for example, you can recall the deeds of everybody in the world. Nothing is hidden from you. This is like a statement of a principle. This first paragraph is a statement and an expansion of a principle of faith like, a, like an animamin. Everything is revealed in front of you, Hashem And nothing is hidden. That is a principle of faith. And as a result of this, we uh, are held accountable and there's no detail that's missing. You're not, uh, you know, no, no tapes or emails went missing over here. Akush Baruch Hu records everything and nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is, is, is missing. We can't get away with anything. As a result of this uh, principle of faith, we expand uh, by, by, uh, by, telling, by, by telling everybody, by reading as to what's going to happen. That as a result of Hashem knowing everything, that not only Jews, the entire world, every country, every culture, everything gets judged on Rosh Hashanah. Every, everything comes. Every, every creature uh, is going to be held accountable on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and uh, we move on to, to finish up basically this, this, this principle, or the statement of the principle, uh, here with this, these few psukim, uh, that uh, that every everybody's every every human being's uh, deeds, actions, thoughts are are uh, are, are wide open in front of a Baruch Hu for judgment day. So the first section of the bracha, all three of them, is to have an animamin, a statement, a statement of faith. Then we start to ask ourselves, okay, now the machzor seems to get excited, starts to now quote all these psukim. Uh, you know, and we want to know why we why we uh, why we have all these psukim over here. So the, the Torah, the Machzor starts by telling us Kakatuba Torah Techa. We we uh, we're quoting psukim from Torah that uh, that all seem to have a theme of zikronot in them. We quote from Torah. We quote from Ksuvim, and we quote from Nevi'im. What are we doing this for? This is the, 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 the creative suggestion of Rav Salvechik is that once we've stated the principle of faith, we've stated the animamin, what we believe in and what it means, we need to prove it. And therefore, all these psukim are yet to prove that the principle exists. And the way we prove something is we quote verses, three psukim, like a chazoka of proof. You know, like, a, like we, we prove it from psukim all over, all over our our Tanakh. And as we know, Tanakh is divided up into, into, into three sections. Torah, that's Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, gift. Then Nevi'im, the words of the prophets. And then Ketuvim is, uh, is or other prophets, but a, a separate section. And the reason that we have three separate sections, even though it's all prophecy, the Gemara describes to us 
that there are three different levels of prophecy. And therefore, because the, the nature, the, the depth of dimension of sanctity inherent in each level of prophecy is different, so our tradition was to divide all of our prophecies that make up the Tanakh. We call the Tanakh the Kitve Kodesh, the collection of all the holy writings. But they are holy because they are prophetic. They are holy because the prophetic messages have um, value points and purpose for all time. Something is only called uh, Kitve Kodesh if the prophecy has value for all time. There were lots of other prophets. There were, there were literally tens of thousands of prophets that graced our stage. But, but only 48 prophets are really encapsulated into writing. The, the, the other prophets, and there were many of them, we don't hear of them because they prophesied uh, you know, for a certain time and for a certain time only. The prophecies that carry us timelessly through Jewish history, they become the body of the Kitve HaKodesh. And as a result of having different levels of sanctity, uh, the ability to... Uh, to, to, to learn and study and plumb the depths of them and how much scope they have is relative to the levels of sanctity that these prophecies are endowed with. Moshe Rabbeinu is the Avanavim. As you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had no equal and, and, his, and his prophecy of Torah is the highest level and therefore uh, he's, he is section number one. Followed by the Navim, all the way from Yeshua all the way through to Yeshaya, Yirmiya, Cheskel, and then the Treyasar, the 12 minor prophets, they all are section two. And they were more or less comparable in level, even though they were slightly different levels. The, the greatest Navi in terms of level of Kedusha after Moshe Rabbeinu is Yeshayahu. But even though they were different levels, but it's a difference in, in, in degree, whereas Moshe Rabbeinu is a different in kind. You can't even compare Moshe Rabbeinu to any of the any of the prophecies of the Nevi'im. Now, just to be clear, it's not just because it's Moshe Rabbeinu that has something to do with it too. But to be accurate about it, it's not just Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu can prophesy on different levels too. It's more the Hashgocha, Hakosh Baruch Hu's divine providence, uh, and deciding in his infinite wisdom that the level of prophecy at the time given to a particular prophet is endowed with that level of prophecy. In other words, it's not because Moshe Rabbeinu said it that that's why it has Kedusha. It's because HaKosh Baruch Hu gave it to Moshe Rabbeinu at the right time, at the ordained time, and through his personality, all of it together creates the uniqueness of the Torah level of prophecy. Because you may know that Moshe Rabbeinu authored, according to theories in Chazal, Moshe Rabbeinu authored and prophesied other other um, pieces as well. So there's a Gemara Masechel Baba Vatra. The Gemara there talks about this in da, on Daf Tedvav. You don't know Tedvav. It talks about the authorship of all the Swarim that we have. And uh, according to the line of thinking in the Gemara there, Moshe Rabbeinu was credited with uh, composing the book Savior of Eov, the story of Job. That story that always questions, you know, how to. Uh, the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper, that's the major theme of Eov. And according to the line of thinking in the Gemara, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the book. He wrote the book of Eov while Amisrael were in Mitzrayim and, uh, and they were struggling philosophically to deal with what Hashem had thrown at them. 
there we compare it to Am Israel during the Shoah or any other time of severe persecution. If you live through a period of time like the Inquisition, where you look around and you see that Am Israel are not that bad, and yet, of course, Baruch was throwing the book at us, and we are suffering beyond description. And uh, we think to ourselves, you know, why is it? Why, why, why is it Sadiq uh, sometimes saddled with such a with such crisis? That whole theme was, was, was what Moshe Rabbeinu's job was from an educational point of view in Mitzrayim. He had to lift the spirits. He had to equip Klal Israel with a, an ability to philosophically, intellectually, emotionally engage uh, such that they didn't die of depression, that they didn't give up, that eventually the Gula, the redemption would come. And uh, look, it took a hell of a long time, as you, as you well know. But in principle, that was Moshe Rabbeinu's tough kid. Now, Sefer Eov exists in, in, the, in the third section of Ketuvim. So, according to the theory that I'm sharing with you now, if we were to say that it's Moshe Rabbeinu only that sanctifies the nature of the level of prophecy, uh, then we would expect Eov to have the same level as Torah. Therefore, I say to you, just to be accurate, no, Akush Baruch has got to, the divine providence has got to, a gift at the particular time to that particular prophet, the unique level of prophecy that uh, that will, ev- will eventuate through that encounter. And therefore, it's Torah that has the higher level of prophecy through Moshe Rabbeinu at that time, more than just, ah, Moshe Rabbeinu said it. There, there's certain Pirkei Tehillim, those of us who get to Shul on time on Shabbos, and we, uh, we read the Tehillim, we have the, you know, 11 possible Tehillim that, that composed these Tehillim. These were also compositions, but David Amelech then incorporated them into, into the larger Sefer Tehillim, which he, he himself composed and edited. But you, there, you, you see there as well, it's a level of prophecy, but like Eov in Sefer Ketuvim, and therefore is in, in a separate section. So, Torah Moshe is the highest level of prophecy, followed by the Nevim, and then followed by the Ketuvim. And that's why we call it Tanakh, the acronym of Torah Navim Ketuvim, three separate levels of Kedusha, different levels of dimensions of uh, divine inspired, um, inspirational prophecy. We, we look to each, one of, to each section, a representative of each, of each text, of each uh, level of prophecy, find three psukim that are most apt to prove the principle. So in our case, we want to prove reward and punishment. We want to we quote verses to prove it. So now when you get up now to find all these psukim in front of you, now you understand what you're doing. The minute you bump into a pasuk, you know, before I heard this uh, insight, you sort of almost get, you know, you bump into a pasuk without even understanding why you're there. You know, why are you giving so many psukim? This little idea really, really punctuates what we're doing. Okay, now I'm going to prove the principle of faith. And I'm going to prove it by quoting three psukim to create like a kind of a, you know, the concept of threes, like a certain level of permanence. We talk about a, a three-stranded rope, which is exponentially stronger than a two-stranded rope. And so here we have three strands of proof from Torah, three strands from Ketuvim, three from Navim. And that's what these psukim are, are doing. All the psukim from Torah are introduced by Kakatuba Torah Then the psukim from Ketuvim are, are introduced with Uvdivrei Kotsucha Ketuv Lemor. And the three psukim from Navim are introduced with the phrase So that just gives you a little bit of an insight 
into um, in, into what we are doing with these uh, with the so-called this body of texts. So we are quoting various psukim. We are proving the the principle of faith, the animamin that we have stated in the first part of uh, of the brocha. Now you, because I've shared the screen, I can't really see you all, but uh, you may be thinking, well, if Torah is the greatest level of prophecy, followed by Ketuvim, uh, followed by Navim, and then Ketuvim, why is the order in the Machzor flipped around here? That you first got Torah, then Ketuvim, then Navim. That is a good question, and there are attempted answers at this. Um, past, present, and future is, uh, is one of them. That this is how the structure of the of the of the relationship of the, the principle is. We prove it from Torah that it was. Uh, you know, it, it um, in in and, and from the Navim it's going to be. That's one way of, of of understanding it. Now we move on there. We move on now to the last part of this uh, of of each of these brachas. So once we've stated the animami, the principle of faith, and we've proved that the principle exists. In Torah literature and is true as it's applied, we then go into this third section starting What are we doing? asks Zerov uh, with this third uh, part of the of each brocha. So yeah, Rasulavetik suggests that this particular section of the brocha is a petition, a prayer to Akosh Baruch Hu, to realize to realize the hope of Klal Yisrael in that the principles that we state are going to come true. So we want, we want, we want the Kosh to hold everybody accountable, the righteous of the world and, and the people who persecute Klal Israel. And so we ask the Kosh Baruch you know, now that we know that you're going to remember us, remember us for good. You know, it's a, it's a petition to Kosh Baruch it's a bakasha. And to that, Akosh Baruch Hu should remember us uh, for good. Uh, remember the contract that you entered into, the covenant that you contracted with our forefathers, our Mavinu, etc. Yitzchak, uh, we try and bring to the fore um, a display of where Amisha would get their merits from, but it's all in the spirit of asking Akosh Baruch Hu that the principle that we stated be actualized for us, uh, Latov. That's uh, and that's the third part of this of this principle. And then it's interesting when we come towards the end and we say Akosh Baruch Hu, the end of the petition, and in your goodness. Um, may, may you roll back your, your anger from, uh, from your holy city, from your people, and fulfill uh, the, the promise that you made through uh, Moshe Rabbeinu um, that you would remember us for good. Yeah, it's, we quote another pasuk here. It's interesting. We quote a pasuk, Kamur, and he has this last pasuk. And the Rav suggests that this last pasuk is Akosh Baruch Hu's response to Klal Israel that I promised to fulfill the pledge that I made. So you pray to me that the principle of faith should be applied for good. I promise you that it will be. And that's the last Pasuk. And so uh, we come along and, and conclude. You, got, you remember everything. There's no forgetfulness. 
as far as Akosh Baruch is concerned, you will always remember us for good. I promise as Akosh Baruch that I will remember you. And in, and in general, for even as individuals, we might get hammered, but as a tzibur, we eventually survive. And the Akedat Yitzchak Lezaro Ayom Barachamim Discord is the pledge of Akosh Baruch that Zichronot uh, will be applied to everybody and to Klal Yisrael it will end being uh, for, for positive. So again, quickly, just to recap, the Chidush of the Rodia, Rav Soloveitchik, is that each bracha is, is structured in, in, in three parts. The part number one is a statement of faith. The Animamin, what the principle is. The belief in Akosh Baruch Hu for Malchuyot. The reward and punishment for Zichronot and the chosen of Klal Yisrael, Torah at Sinai for Shofarot. We state each principle in the first paragraph or two of the Brocha. Then we prove that that principle is a principle of faith by us by quoting from three psukim from Torah, then three from Ketuvim, uh, and, uh, you know, three from Torah by Kakatuv, three from Ketuvim, and three from Nevim, Ketuv Lemor. And the last part of the bracha is a petition, a prayer to Akosh Baruch Hu for the realization of that particular principle. And the last line is really Akosh Baruch Hu's pledge that uh, he will live up to the promise he made to, to Klal Yisrael. So that is um, a more specific overview than the actual structure of the bracha that I would like to share with you. So we started off by talking about principles of faith. We then moved in to try and show how those principles of faith are incorporated in the actual body of the text. And now I'd like to zoom into uh, a particular insight from, in this bracha of, uh, of Zichronot. Now, when we ask Akosh Baruch Hu to remember the great deeds done by our ancestors, we understand what this is about. This is about reminding Akosh Baruch Hu that we come from holy stock, and even if we mess up, we really have a holy core, you know, which was crystallized all the way back. We carry the genes, the DNA of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, of Sarah Rivka, Rachel and Leah, and all the great people who we can really be proud of to call our ancestors. And Akosh Baruch Hu gets nachas from them. You know, the little bit of nachas he gets from us, you know, we, 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 need, to be, we need to be purified too. But in principle, we want to, we ask Akosh Baruch Hu, uh, to sort of remember us by uh, relating to certain holy people and seeing us as, uh, as their progeny or seeing, seeing them as examples um, that we set for ourselves. And so it makes sense to, when we, we talk about the personalities that we uh, recall in, in, in this Brokha of Zichronot as being people that we, um, that we can identify with. Um, and so it might come as a bit of a surprise to us when we look at this brocha, and you see where my cursor is, look, look who we bump into here, which personality from Tanakh we, uh, we say hello to on Rosh Hashanah. So we say, uh, So you are Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, all our deeds of every single human being comes in front of you. And you hold us accountable for them. And a, you know, that, you know, he has again, who, 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 who did you remember? Well, you remembered Noach. As you know, Noach was stuck on the table there for a year. It wasn't a pleasant uh, ride, we know. Um, and you, you remembered Noach and, uh, 
redeemed him from that whole exercise. In English, uh, uh, you lovingly remembered Noah, you recalled him with words of salvation and mercy when you brought the waters of the flood to destroy all living flesh because of the evil of their deeds. Okay, so yeah, we've got we've got Noach that's come to the party over here as a as a as a personality who is worth bringing up on Rosh Hashanah by remembering the mercy that Akash Baruch Hu demonstrated to to Noach. So um, we basically say we, we say that Al Kain Zichrono So because he's uh, the, you know he has a unique personality. So we somehow bring Noach into the, the consciousness of our Philot, Akosh Baruch, remember Noach and treat us uh, um, with mercy as, 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 a, as a result of bringing Noach as an example of remembering somebody good. Now, uh, what's, what's interesting about this uh, is as follows Noach, when we think about him, Noach, Noach, is not exact, Noach is not known as the first Jew. You know, that, that's Avram Avinu. Noach is not Jewish, uh, halachically as such. I mean, it's very interesting to understand that particular point when halachic Judaism began. According to the Bala Tosfot, pure halacha began from Sinai onwards. Um, but according to Ramban, it was from Avram Avinu's time in terms of at least seeing who's Jewish. Uh, it starts from Avram Avinu's time. Avram Avinu is known as the first Jew. Uh, whenever we have a bris and we talk about, uh, we, 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 we quote the fact that, you know, we make a bracha and say, Akosh Baruch Hu sanctified, Asher Kiddash did me beten. Akosh Baruch Hu sanctified Am Yisrael through the process of being born to a Jewish mother. Um, but that process, the question is, when did it start? And who is the first person, who was the first Jew to be born Jewish? So we talk about, in the Nusach of that bracha there by the bris, we talk about Yitzchak as being, he's the first uh, the Jew born Jewish. Avram Avinu and Sarah were the first Jew and Jewess who converted Jewish. But he, you know, not, uh, Yitzchak already was born to them. So he's Kiddash Yedid. He's the, 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 he's the friend of Akosh Baruch Hu, the unique one, who's Kiddash Yedid Mibeten. Already Mibeten means from, from the womb. So, so Avram Avinu is, is known as the first Jew. So now we've got to ask ourselves, Interesting that we have Noach over here, who if Avram Avinu is the first Jew, you know, who does Noach represent? And so he has something very interesting in the Riont of Shemona Esrei. And that is that the, 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 the person who composed the Nusach, which we'll get to in a second, who, who is the composer of, these, of, the, of this particular bracha, or the Nusach of the Shemona Esrei in general. So yeah, the Pasuk from Torah chosen is Vayiskor Elokim et Noach. And the reason is because, because Davka Noach was the forebearer of all mankind, Atu Rabbi Minei, so the whole entire world came from him, so to speak. Then the world began again after the flood. And so, yeah, we do have to appreciate the concept, two concepts here. One is that in Zichronot, we have to emphasize that Kosh Baruch is the creator of mankind in general. Um, and two, there's a unique relationship between Akosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Israel, between Hashem and the people of Israel. But Hashem made a covenant with Noah. This covenant is a universal covenant. It's a, it's a proper Brit, a proper covenant. 
So Hashem made two covenants, one with mankind in general, and a specific, unique covenant with Avram Avinu and the Knesset Israel. But the universal covenant um, with Hashem concerns all of mankind. Uh, in fact, every creature, even, you know, we, we talk about every creature that was in the, that was in the ark. So this is, uh, this is also the reason why um, even on Yom Kippur, we have this whole story of Yonah going to Ninveh and using Ninveh uh, as, as a paradigm, as an example of people doing tshuva, even though they're not Jewish, because the concept of tshuva, you know, is, is on a certain level applicable to everybody and judgments applicable, uh, applicable to, uh, you know, to, to everybody. And so we demonstrate um, the universality of tshuva to all people and not just uh, to Jews. So this is, uh, you know, this is the meaning of the of, of this particular uh, start of this of this of this issue here. Even the words that are at the at the top of the page over here. Ashraish sheloish kacheka, you know, praiseworthy is the man who does not forget you. This this is talking about all people, not only. I'm Israel to repent and, and serve Akosh Baruch Hu. So the, the motif, the beginning motif of Zichronot is universal. And this is proved by reciting in the Gamet Noach. Even the non Jew, the entire humanity, you know, must do uh, a tshuva. I always find it, uh, it's a thought that always uh, goes through my mind every year that I walk from home uh, to Shul on, on Rosh Hashanah. And you see the, the cafes in Bondi all full with people. And you think to yourself, geez, if they only knew what's going on in Shamayim, they wouldn't be, you know, just having a relaxed coffee over here. To your Madin, the day of judgment for everybody. You know, that's really the that's really the message over here. Okay. So that's the first point that we that we have to mention. But something else needs to be uh, you know, needs needs to be questioned over here. I'm going to try and see. I actually think I, I didn't include it in this particular screen share but while i'm talking to you i'm going to look for another another screen another scan that i had here maybe i'll be able to find it um but 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 you know well that um uh, can't find it oh god um sorry anyway i'm just looking at it as i'll talk to you so we know well that noyach is uh, is um, Noach is is a, a complex personality, uh, and uh, we uh, we need to appreciate uh, Noach um, because not everybody not everybody thinks of Noach the same way. Uh, I'm assuming that you can see the screen, right? I'm hopefully shared it with you. Just photocopied a. Uh, a page from the beginning of Parashat Noach. And this is a, this is a, a piece of Torah that I think uh, all of you know well, that Noach is seen from different viewpoints. The Pasuk tells us that uh, it's... Eilet told of Noach. Noach is known as Ish Tzadik Tamim Bedorotav. This word Bedorotav uh, forces Chazal to interpret what does it mean Noach was righteous in his generations. So look here, Rashi, you can either follow it in the original or he has the English translation for you. What does it mean Noach was righteous in his generation? 
there are those among our rabbis, Doshin they, they they expound this word in his generations as a praise of Noah. In other words, he was righteous among wicked people. How much more so if he would have lived in a, in a generation of righteous people? He would have been a much greater person. But then there's another set of people, the age Doshinotolignai. They're those who who uh, who see Noach not in such a good light. That is only a relative tzaddik. According to his generation, he is a good guy because the people around him are, were terrible. But if he would have lived by Avinu, if he would have lived as a contemporary of Avram Avinu, he wouldn't have amounted to anything of significance. Now that's a that's a real that's a real indictment of Noah. So um, yeah, there are there are there are different, there's an argument um, between the, the different commentaries and different thinkers as how to how to view Noah to how to view Noah. You know, there's a dispute here. There are those who doshin lishvach in praise of Noah, and then there are those who doshin lignai who basically tell you that it limits to the praise of Noah. He was only relative to his generation. Was he considered righteous? And so, you know, we wanna we wanna ask ourselves now. So, in our Rosh Hashanah davening, you know, what what do we think about this? What do we think about this? Uh, this, you know, when we read now, we're back in the Machzor. When we read this, how do you think the Machzor saw Noah? What do you think? Do you think that the that the that the, the, the you know the person who composed the Nusach Atfila that we all say did they take a side in this particular argument? And so yeah, something very very interesting. Let's read it over here. The Gamet Noach Ba'Vazacharta. You lovingly remembered Noach, and you recalled him with words of salvation and mercy. He had Rachmonus on Noach. When you brought the flood. Now, when you say that you have mercy on Noah, so what is what does that what does that mean exactly? You know, is that saying that Noah deserved to be saved, or that it's only because Hashem had Rachmonas on him that he deserved, that he was saved? And so, yeah, it's interesting that you can find this chiddush that I'm relating to you in the writings of the Baruch Shemar. That's the name of the book written by the. The Torah to Mimar of Baruch Halevi Epstein, he in his commentary on the Machzor, he writes that he thinks that um, it's clear to him from the way that the Torah, the Machzor is talking here, yeah, that the Machzor thinks that Noach was really not that great, and, and it's Akosh Baruch had Rachmonis on him, and and that and that's why he was saved because of the Yeshua Barachamim, and therefore. The Baruch Halevi Epstein wonders, why do we then have Noach in here? What kind of an example is Noach? When you say, uh, Hashem, please remember us. We've got tremendous merit in our ancestors. And look at Noach. Look at Noach. He's unbelievable. What do you mean he's unbelievable? Noach's not that unbelievable. Why are, you, why are you bringing in the B team, man? You know, bring in the A team. This is the, why is Noach actually here? In fact, says Baruch Halevi Epstein, I'll tell you who the composer of the Nusach HaTfilah is. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah tells us that the author of this Zichronot section of Musaf was Rav. You know, Rav was, a, was the transition figure between the Mishnahis in Eretz Yisrael and the Gemara in Babel. You know, he was, he was a Talmud of Rebbe. When Rebbe died, 
Rav left and he came he came to Babel. So Rav, his his uh, his actual name was Abba. The Gemara calls him Abba Aricha, uh, the long Abba, because apparently he was very tall. But uh, he was known as the leader of the diaspora jury at the time. Therefore, he's known as Rav, the Rabbi. So Rav came to um, came to uh, you know to 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 Babel. But before he was in Eretz Israel, and in Eretz Israel he had unique Talmudim. Rav Yochanan was one of his Talmudim, and it's a uh, and, and Rav Yochanan is the is the is the opinion quoted in that Gemara in that Rashi that that that, that deduces from the word Bedorotav that Noach was only a relative tzaddik. It's a bit of a a bit of a, a, a you know a disparaging remark remark against Noach. And Rav Yochanan is that opinion, and he's consistent with the 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 Nusach in the Tefillah over here composed by Rav, his mentor. So it makes a lot of sense. Rav Yochanan holds that Dorshin Lignai. Noach is only a relative tzaddik, and that fits in that he goes with his teachers, Rav's Nusach Atfila, and through this Nusach Atfila, you start to get the impression that that uh, what you call that Noach is only a relative tzaddik, and so uh, he's only in contrast to Ram Alehem, you know, to uh, you know, to to the to the to the to the evil deeds of uh, of people of that generation. So. Uh, you know, so now the question that we have to ask ourselves is, so, you know, is really, is it a really good idea to have Noach in the, in the Rosh Hashanah Musaf as an example, you know, uh, you know, I mean, really, is it a good idea? So, yeah, it's interesting that uh, we can, we can, we can approach it from the following, from the following angle. And that is like this. You see, it's true. At first, at first glance, Noach is not a great example. We should have quoted some much greater tzaddik. But what's interesting about quoting Noach is it makes us think this way. When we, when we look at ourselves and we think, okay, how do we achieve forgiveness and salvation from Akkosh Baruch Hu based on our track record of, 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 of our behavior? I mean, we, we know that we are seriously wanting so how does one how does one get a koshbaru to look at us favorably? Now we can quote the best of the best, but if we only quote Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov, if we only quote them, then the message that sort of comes out of you is, if you like them, then a koshbaru will have rachmanus on you. Yes, if you if you like Avraham, yes, a koshbaru will have rachmanus on you, because who gets forgiveness? People, you know, people who elevate themselves to that level. But what about the rest of us? Huh? The rest of us who know we're near the ankles of, of these great people. How do we how do we come out there not feeling depressed that oh my god, if I was like Avram Avinu, yeah, I'd walk out of here thinking that, you know, uh, you know, I'm okay. But uh, but I'm not like Avram Avinu. So how, how do we get how do we get around that? And so yeah, ironically, by quoting Noah, there's a kind of a an inverse reaction here. And the way we're supposed to look at it is as follows. And that is that, you know, there are, there's a tzaddik, a genuine tzaddik, and a relative tzaddik. What, what does it mean to be a relative tzaddik? Well, you look around at your neighbors. So that's interesting. We look, at, we look at us as Jews and we say, are we good? Well, if we are judged, like the Unutana Tokev tells us, when we isolated from everybody else, and we judged as ourselves, 
it's what we call a very scricky experience. It's a very scary experience. Scary as all hell because you're isolated from anybody. You know, of course, Baruch sees you. And you, you, you know, there's not, there's nowhere to hide. That's, that's scary stuff. Where, you know, one, one sheep isolated from the rest of the flock getting marked by the, you know, by the shepherd. That, that, that's scary. You know, it's much easier when you, when you take comfort in the, in the surrounds of your fellow person, friends, neighborhood, community, because then you don't feel so bad. Because relative to everybody else around you, hopefully you're okay. So we have, we have all of our Israel in Israel, the Jews in Israel. And we, we know we've got all levels of Jews in Israel. And we, you know, we've, got, we've got many, many wanting scenarios there of Jewish behavior in Israel. But you know what? If you look further, if you look, to the, if you look outside of Israel, you know, who do you come into contact with? Ah, in the Gaza Strip, there's Hamas. And then in Lebanon, there's Hezbollah. And uh, in Lebanon, there's all Lebanon, and there's and there's Syria. Of course, Baruch you know what? I must tell you, look around, just look around, and then uh, and tell me what you think. Am I that bad now? Because compared to these Totsis, I'm fantastic. You know, compared to, to these scoundrels, man, I'm not bad at all. You know, that's that's the that's the, that's what I must get out of here. So, so all of a sudden, isn't it beautiful? All of a sudden, Noach became your best mate. <laughs> He's your best friend in this Musaf. Because Noach teaches us, on him. it means that if you're a relative tzaddik, it's good enough. So you don't have to be the biggest tzaddik. Just be a relative tzaddik. Make sure you don't come lost in the class. Make sure that, you, you know, to be a relative tzaddik is still something. You know, just a, a personal anecdote, and I'll more or less draw con- to a conclusion on this. But basically, I remember as a young as a young boy in, in in yeshiva. I had a I had a deal with a, a, an an older friend of mine. I would teach him Gemara for an hour, and he would teach me guitar. I wanted to play guitar. Anyway, so we had this chavrusa arrangement. He didn't live in the yeshiva. I had to go and travel to him. But that was the deal. I would go and anyway. So anyway, I, I remember him teaching me at at one point in time. He said. Uh, Okay, I'm going to teach you how to tune your guitar. And, you, know, so that, you know, there are two ways to tune a guitar, right? Today, it's a whole easy story. But in, in the old days, when you never had an iPhone that could tell you exactly how many hertz, and you can just play this, pluck the string, and it tells you, birdie yuk, what you got. In those days, you either, you either, you either had a, a, a proper tuning device, and you worked out the hertz, and you, and you, and you measured it there, or if you never had one of those fancy machines, if you like, if you had camp around a bonfire, you know, in the middle of uh, the country with a bonfire and a guitar, what you're going to go and look for your fancy uh, electronic battery operated uh, tuning thing. Uh, please, man, you're busy toasting marshmallows and singing, uh, you know, and singing and singing songs, right? You, you can't see anything. So what do you do? Also, you learn to tune the guitar to itself. So you assume that the bottom string is E. You more or less, with your own ear, you pick it up. It's like, I think this is more or less E. And then you learn to tune each string to itself. So at the end of the exercise, what happens? The guitar is in tune to itself. But is, is it objectively in tune? No way. And you'll, you'll find it out when you start playing chords and harmonies. So if you've got a good ear, they'll go, ooh, ooh no, this doesn't really work. Ah, but it's, I can still play You know, for a bonfire, it's fine. For a kumzit, it's fine. No one knows the difference anyway, right? Have a couple of times later, definitely no one knows the difference. So I don't mind playing with a guitar that's relatively in tune. Because for the context that I'm playing with, 
It serves the purpose. Fantastic. You know, but, but is the guitar in tune? If you're going to play accompaniment for Pavarotti, he's going to be happy with you when your guitar is only in tune to itself or he wants it objectively true. Yeah, of course, if you're playing in an, in an orchestra and there, you know, you're the best of the best. It's got to be uh, the real McCoy. It's MSDK in tune or not. But it's the same thing uh, Lahavdil with our, the way I uh, approach this story over here. I'd love to be a human being, a Yid, in tune with Torah, properly, objectively in tune. You plug me into the tuning machine, it tells you, but you're on, you're on the mark. But, but, but that isn't the case. So what are, what's the least I can do? Well, at least be consistent. At least be consistent. So, you know, at least be consistent and relatively good to everybody else. So you look around, the neighbors, the society in general. That's why we do so well, because of the Noyach syndrome. Because we look around the greater Sydney, the greater Melbourne, we look around what everybody else is doing. And we're not so bad, of course, Baruch In fact, we're not, we're not looking bad at all over here. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, we're not volunteering to be the security guards in the hotel over there. We're okay. We're pretty good. Yachas, it's all good. So therefore, Noach becomes our best friend in Zichronot because uh, relative to everybody else around him, everyone else was literally, you know, a brachal of as we say, almost a waste of time. And, and, and we, we're not so great, but gee, we, we, we're better. And therefore, it's a wonderful approach to appreciate that Zichronot teaches us all these different lessons. Number one, it represents the principle of faith that all human beings, Jew and non-Jew, entire mankind, all deeds are recorded by Kosh Baruch Hu. Nothing, nothing escapes his gaze, and we're accountable for good and for bad. That's the principle of faith. We prove it by the psukim. We, we dive into Akosh Baruch Hu that it should be actualized. And Akosh Baruch Hu promises us that it'll be Berachamim uh, Tizkor. And, uh, and, 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 and the personalities we bring in there are twofold. We bring in the best of the best, the Avram, the Yitzchaks, because they are properly tuned to the Torah value system. They are guitar properly tuned. And if we're part of their orchestra, fantastic, we need merit for that. But even if we aren't able to get into their company and we have to act like we have to tune the guitar to itself, but at least there, oh, as long as we are relative tzaddik, it's also good because, you know, you, you remembered Noach Be'ava with love and you redeemed him, you know, with Yeshua and Rachamim. We're relatively fantastic. At least get into the relative camp. At least come to the Kumsitz. And so therefore, I would say to you in conclusion that this brocha of Zichronot, as all the other brochas, uh, have uh, so much to teach us when we analyze the Machzor as you do a Gemara. Uh, the beautiful philosophical nuggets we can mine from this, uh, from this Nusach HaTvila is absolutely gorgeous. And so yeah, I, uh, I just leave you that uh, all of us, that we are confined in our own little Teva. You guys can't even move uh, to get outside and you're in your little Teva and uh, I'm not sure, you know, you know you, you're there with your families it's not a pleasant scenario. The Teva for Noach was a, was a very challenging existence. It really is a challenging existence. But really the, the idea of Noach was to teach us as a personality that as long as we can aim, we shouldn't uh, be satisfied with being a relative tzaddik, but it's a good position to be in too. You shouldn't feel depressed that because uh, you couldn't get further than Noach that you lost. Noach was uh, rewarded, was remembered. He was, he was even called a tzaddik. Because the majority of his deeds were, 
were better than his misdeeds by far. Okay, it wasn't like Avram Avinu. And that is the line that the Machzor has taken, Rabbi Yonah, the name of Rav, has incorporated this into the Nusach HaTfilah because a relative tzaddik is a very precious commodity to most of us. Even probably more than Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov or Noach becomes our best chaver here in the, Musa, in the Nusach of the Musaf Shmoneh Shrei. And on that note, to all you relative tzaddikim, <laughs> we uh, just wish you Gemara Chatima Tova, Ve'ata Shalom, Everybody should have a Shana Tova and uh, and Magaifa uh, should disappear and we should all be able to see each other in, uh, in the flesh at our Simchas. Uh, and uh, this, uh, the, 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 the best of last year should be the worst of this year. I just wish you Gemach Tova. Thank you for listening to the opportunity. Uh, I hope uh, you all heard me clearly and the technology worked well. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Shkoyach. Shkoyach, shkoyach. Shkoyach, shkoyach. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I remember listening to you before, Rabbi Blackman, years and years ago. Yeah, Hashem gave me a privilege to be able to teach Torah. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you used to come to to Melbourne, to Beit Halevi. Yeah, correct. That used to, now it's a privilege. And, 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 you, and you know my son, Larry McCarthy? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. How's he doing? It's all good? Thank God. Thank Fantastic. God. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Um, yeah, so listen, wishing you all well. And Rabbi Joseph, should have a good bench to your and Hatzlocha uh, Rabbi with the Kehila and all the good Thank work you. that you do. And, uh, okay, I know you got a flight to get back to catch. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. When you dive with the minion, have us in mind. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. We will do. All right. Zaga Banks, everybody. Thank you. Zaga Zund, all the best. Okay. Okay. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.